It is your Chapo for this week. It's me, Will Wenneker, as always. Uh, sitting in today, we've got a longtime friend of the show, and I think official Chapo Washington, D.C. correspondent, Libby Watson. Libby, how's it going? Hello, good. Thank you. So, uh, Libby, if you will you know, accept my premise that you're our Washington, D.C. correspondent, I would like to talk to you with a... Uh, but some of the, the, the goings on in that city we love to hate, uh, the nation's capital, starting, of course, with, uh, Donald Trump and his lawyer, uh, the exciting news breaking on Monday, uh, feds did a sweep on the law offices of Michael Cohen, uh, for being too good of a lawyer and, as Felix said, too good of a best friend. <laughs> well, Michael Cohen, uh, I gotta say, fair warning to the feds, he's not locked in there with you. You're locked in there with, with him. So, yeah, that was uh, that was burning up the news. And, of course, uh, the resistance, you know, the big question in the air is, is this the final straw? There are reports that Trump is, quote, losing his shit in the White House and his aides are having to beg him day in, day out not to fire Mueller, not to just fire everyone, not to just, you know, completely restart. But do start a war. Do escalate the war in Syria. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. Do do that. He can yeah. do unilaterally because he's king of America. He yeah. can just do that. You know, Donald, you've had a rough week. You're a Russian agent. You do, you're on that booty killer shit with Vladimir Putin. You, sir, are gay with Vladimir Putin. You have psychology. <laughs> but you need to get together with our friend Israel and the UK and definitively say we will not stand by while innocent people are killed. Israel... And America do not stand for that. And despite your criminal insanity <laughs> and being on booty killer shit, you have to do this. And he's like, damn, okay, I'm the Dark Knight, though. Libby, uh, the view from Washington, D.C. about all this is what? Uh, giddy? Excited? Terrified? Is our republic hanging by a thread? Um, I mean, the thing is, is like, I'm a really bad Washington, D.C. correspondent because, I mean, obviously I don't have any friends. But if I did have any friends, they wouldn't be... Uh, people in the White House or people in Congress. Um, most of my friends work in nonprofits and are pretty much as clueless as uh, as you idiots in New York. Um, Libby, success daughters don't need friends. We have our <laughs> careers. Yes, that's absolutely true. I have my yoga and my uh, my bowls. You know, all food has to come in a bowl. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right about the the resistance people. I mean, I think you know, I have to I have to admit that I did kind of laugh out loud and shout, "Oh my god, this is so great!" When Cohen's office was raided, just because it's really funny. Like just the idea of him standing by, like Tony Soprano yelling at the FBI guys when they're <laughs> in his house. You know, just like getting mad at them for wrecking his shit and like moving stuff. Um, but like, you know, the, the resistance people have been saying like, this is it. This is going to be the big one since like before the election. You know, they've been saying that yeah. since. I mean, again, I, I, it, we can't go back to it enough. He literally started his campaign by calling Mexicans rapists. <laughs> it's like there's no silver bullet, guys. It's, there's never a silver bullet. Um so, I mean, it would be really funny if Michael Cohen went to jail. Like, that would oh, be absolutely. Great. But like. <laughs> You know, so like, I don't know, it doesn't really make America all that much better if Michael Cohen goes to jail, but it would be great. Well, Libby, uh, it's something I, t I totally agree with you that we are now in a world where we must hope for the funniest of all possible outcomes, not the best, because right. that's just setting yourself up for disaster. Yeah, that ship has sailed. <laughs> funniest of all possible outcomes for this is still Trump is finally backed into a corner. He knows Michael Cohen has been his enforcer for 
you know, probably 10 years now. The fucking dirt that he knows is probably indescribable. Um, so he finally feels his back up against the wall and just fires everyone. Not just Mueller, but fires Jeff Sessions, too, because Bo Deedle told him to on Fox News, where he just turns to the fucking camera directly and he's like, Mr. Trump, don't don't be an asshole. You're not a man <laughs> unless you fire this Jeff Sessions Fazul. And then, of course, Trump believes him and does feel his manhood is threatened, fires Jeff Sessions, and then all the resistance people take up a collection plate to uh, pay out the rest of his government salary. Oh, yeah. No, ab- absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait to donate to... Michael Cohen's GoFundMe when he turns on <laughs> Donald Trump. I've been, I've been donating to his daughter's GoFundMe for years now. I, I'm more of a his daughter's cash on him anytime guy. But uh, uh, Michael Cohen, you guys are assuming it's going to go forward to prosecution. You're talking about one of the best lawyers in all of New York City. <laughs> and he's going to do his time-honored courtroom maneuver of offering Harlem Globetrotters tickets. <laughs> To Rosenstein and Mueller, and they'll be like, damn, we didn't account for this. And they'll be like, wait, so the Russiagate investigation just ended, and they're just sitting courtside with the big foam fingers. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, I don't know what happened. And it was like, yeah, that's Michael Cohen earning his paycheck. Actually, hasn't been paid by Donald Trump for 20 years, (laughs) but, you know. Well, that is the that again, that is another really funny aspect of the the FBI raid on his offices is, uh, Michael Cohen, if you ever thought you were getting that 130 grand back from Trump, uh, you're definitely not now. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the other funny thing uh, out of the uh, Trump cabinet right now is uh, Scott Pruitt, who has sort of flown under the radar as maybe like the worst appointee. It's I mean it's hard to to gauge that because they're all such monsters, but maybe the most effective in how uh, awful his governance and you know uh, leadership of the EPA has been because. Basically, he exists to destroy the EPA and everything it stands for. He's caught up in a really funny uh, thing right now about um, his just flagrant corruption as well as his uh, spendthrift ways as where he wanted to not only have the EPA have its own flag, but apparently he also <laughs> wanted to have its own challenge coins. Did you read this? What the fuck is a challenge coin? I don't think we had those in the UK. No, a challenge coin. This this stealing valor shit has really gotten way out of hand in America. Challenge coins are something that like started in the military and like special forces or the Green Beret, where it's like it's sort of like real life gaming, Virgil. You yeah, get, it's it's you like get a, special it's like a, coins. It's like, an ach- it's like an achievement that you can unlock. Yeah, exactly. Oh, or like a, a right. special now skin or something. But they're actual physical coins that you get for completing side quests and missions, and um, you know. Yeah, the challenge is usually something like you could get an escort mission, like take these five Al-Qaeda guys safely through Iraq. Uh, You know, you can't be that far from the payload, things like that. Yeah, it's like unlocking Oberza's Fury in Breath of the Wild, right? Exactly like that. Oh, my God. Libby, you play Breath of the Wild? Libby is a fellow Zelda gamer, for sure. Hell yeah. I keep threatening my boyfriend. I'm going to make him watch me walk across the entire map. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah uh scott pruitt i think the uh so he's he wanted the uh the epa to issue challenge coins i guess but like his version of them would be you know most uh pristine landscapes despoiled most uh heavy metals dumped into a uh local watershed things of that nature nope president started doing this i think with clinton uh making a presidential challenge coin which they would palm off whenever they meet a service member uh the fucking EPA secretary doing it, that's very, very weird. Yeah, he is, he is a really weird guy. The whole using, I mean, the, the thing 
being, you know, okay, so being the Washington DC correspondent, I feel like I can give the best context on the using the sirens to get to the diplomat thing. Um, oh, like, okay. apparently- Libby, could you explain what the diplomat is and how it relates yeah, to totally, Scott Pruitt? Yeah, so, um, it is, it's just a very nice restaurant. It was like super trendy when it opened in 2015 or 2014, but you know, it's, it's the punchline for like places where you would see, you know, like trendy political people. I've eaten there a few times and I saw like Kellyanne Conway there once. Um, it's just, it's just that kind of place where like, wait, 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 very important question. Did you see what she ate? You know, I didn't. I kept trying to look. Uh, Sorry, I you're fired as our Washington correspondent. <laughs> I know, I know. It's embarrassing. Um, I did see that she was with her husband, who is like the one who keeps tweeting about how shitty Trump is, which is great. Um, she left pretty quickly as well, actually. I think she kind of like, I don't know. She was only there for like 40 minutes, so I don't know what her deal was. Derek Davison told me the French onion soup is to die for at the Diplomat. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. It's, just a, it's an amazing restaurant. It's really, really, really good. And it's the kind of place where you can go, like, as a pers- as a reasonably normal person and just, like, order the burger and it's great. Or you can go and you can spend, like, $2,000 and get a bunch of wine and, like, you know, seafood towers and stuff. Ooh, uh, I love and a seafood it's, you know, tower. It's, like, it's just super popular. Everybody, everybody wants to go there. So the idea – it's just – it's just so basic of him, you know, to be like, <laughs> I really need to get to the diplomat. I better put my fucking fake siren that I got on eBay on the top of the car. And so he bought- I love that. That makes it sound like he's wearing like Ugg boots and leggings and like <laughs> yeah. sipping like a Frappuccino. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing about all the Trump guys. They have the same small imagination that Trump has. And they have unparalleled power to profit billions off of this because no one's like they ever. There's a Republican cult- controlled Congress. They are probably going to control the courts but entirely by the end of this administration. But given all that power, they're like, ooh, I could get to dinner faster. <laughs> like their grips are so small. To be fair, that's what we would do if we yeah, had absolute yeah. power. Yeah, totally. Well, that's why Trump has always been so relatable because it's like he's, he's this rich guy who eats McDonald's and shit. You know, it's like that's probably what I would do. I'd probably spend a week going to the nice restaurants and stuff. But then I'd be like, I don't want all this – fucking small plates moose yeah bullshit. With nuggies. you know get you know i want to pay a guy to go to mcdonald's for me that's what i would do with a billion dollars well i mean amber's exactly right if we had similar power that's exactly how we should abuse it however with scott pruitt you know it's not all just uh funny uh fake challenge coins and sirens so he can get to the diplomat on time i mean he has been what he's actually in trouble for is just basically, I think something like 39 of the first 40 meetings he took were with uh, campaign donors from his home state of Wyoming who, you know, run the local Oklahoma. slag, du- Oklahoma, uh, who run the local slag dumping uh, industry or whatever. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. And it's always going to be the way with these Trump guys that, like, the thing that brings them down is never going to be the, like, obvious and open corruption because that's basically what most... I mean, you know, they are being more open about it, but most of the terrible shit they do is what a Republican would do if they were in office. But the reason they keep tripping over their own dicks is just that, like, they're extra dumb. You know, they're really bad and they don't have the, like, experienced political people to tell them, like, hey, yeah, by the way, you can't do that. You know, you can't do the, the first-class flights or whatever. Um, but it's it's never going to be like the actual things that are ruining America that get them in trouble. It's just going to be their like personal indulgences that they can't help doing. Libby, I think you actually summed it up quite nicely. I think they're just a bunch of basic bitches. Like they can't help yeah. themselves. It's just who they are. Yeah. Um, the other funny thing uh, this this was a b- bit of breaking news surrounding the White House is that. Uh, 
uh, you know, we know Trump loves television and he sort of chooses people now to advise him based on those that he sees defending him on television. And one of his most prominent defenders on TV, as of recent uh, note, has been Alan Dershowitz. The Dersh. Oh my God! Who attended he is a, gunning for that job so uh, hard. Dersh attended a private dinner at the White House last night with Trump and Jared, and he went on the news today. to said he went there. He had dinner with them to advise them about the Middle East, but he cannot disclose if they talked about Rus- the Russia investigation or Mueller at all. So Dershowitz was just there. Noted Middle East expert Alan Dershowitz was there to, you know, help sort out that whole area. They they could have talked about anything. Uh, Dershowitz was probably talking about his favorite author, Nabokov. <laughs> <laughs> plainly, his favorite book, Lolita. It's a very plain classic. In or his diagnosis with Epstein Barr. He's also a big fan of the island of Dr. Moreau. Yes, yes. So he could have been talking about he could have been talking about anything. So and he's not a pedophile <laughs> at all. So uh, Dershowitz um, coming in and out of the White House, which you know, again, I don't know how to interpret these signs. Hard to you know know what's in Trump's mind. But if you're meeting with the Dersh, chances are you're thinking about murdering your wife. So Melania or her clone or stunt double. Remember the other Melania? Remember the fake Melania? That was oh, a thing yeah, there for a, a minute. Reality. Yeah, that was an interesting three. Yeah, three. Um, so yeah, uh, Trump um, back against the wall. You got to go with uh, the heavy hitters with Dershowitz. I don't know how Dershowitz is going to prepare. It's not like he has a history with any type of brain dead aristocrat who, you know, very obviously committed a crime. Uh, I just I don't know how he's going to get it done. Well, Donald Trump really is his like bread and butter, right? Yeah, like, oh, for sure. That's the type of guy, just a guy who's so stupid that Dershowitz, like we talked about, can take, you know, any statement he's made and been like, how can this be perjury when you don't know what the fuck he's talking about? Well, Virgil- when you get Trump on the witness stand and he starts talking about how he was the best baseball player in New York. <laughs> you know? Well, Virgil- yeah, Dersh was Dersh is actually really fascinating because uh, I am definitely retaining him if I ever get into trouble. Uh, because mean and stupid are like his his paints, and he is an artist uh, in being able to defend the worst fucking people in the world, and sometimes certain countries. Uh, Virgil, uh, didn't you make a point the other day that this idea that Mueller is setting a perjury trap for Trump is essentially uh, the idea that he could set a perjury trap for him in which you could take any of Trump's statements parse to a jury of 12 people and decide definitively what he means in any context would be very difficult. Oh, yeah. So I was I was chatting with Matt about this the other day, and we generally agree that, you know, uh, for, for perjury to stick, for it to actually be lying under oath or, or to law enforcement, you have to actually know that what you're saying is a lie. And we know that Trump is completely divorced from reality that, I mean, just any random five minutes of an interview with Mueller will be just totally incomprehensible and useless, <laughs> not just to yeah. him, but to a jury. Yeah, actually, it, it's kind of a problem for Donald Trump that he scored so very highly on that dementia test, because if he hadn't, <laughs> then that might have been a good route out of this for him. I mean, what you, I mean, how can you can you get someone? Is it perjury if you tell uh, the fucking chief prosecutor that you're the one who caught the hamburger? <laughs> They could, what is it? It's meaningless. They but, could 100 the thing, uh, percent the, like present him as not fit to stand. What we agree on is that the funny thing is that all of these crooks who are betting real 
card that Trump would lose are now completely fucked. Imagine just the baseline criminality of any given person in his orbit. If they, I mean, yeah, Trump is going to be the last man standing unless, you know, Mueller gets a Matlock moment where he catches him in like a little logic trap, like a lie about whether he was the one who caught the Noid, (laughs) whether he was the one who, who the new Donald Trump idea is going to be that the Tasmanian devil was based on him. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I think it'd be funny if uh, both of his sons uh, get convicted, but he only pardons the one he likes. (laughs) Baron. No, Baron's Baron's gonna walk. I think I think he's he's gonna come out unscathed from all this. But you know, lately, right now, I think it's a fifty fifty bet whether or not he fires uh, Mueller or Mueller, as you call him, Libby. What do you think the fallout would be from that? Oh God, it's so horrific to think about. I mean, I mean, all I can all I can immediately think of is just like the nightmare of takes about it because because of the industry that I'm in, I have to. I just immediately have to think of like. Every fucking stupid, overpaid Washington Post, New York Times, you know, Atlantic writer is going to write another fucking, you know, all the articles they wrote at the beginning of his presidency about norms and how this cannot stand and all that shit. And, you know, there's going to be like just this class of like bloated fucking white overpaid people whose jobs it is to write and then go to the diplomat basically <laughs> you know right you know about how this is the worst thing that's happened yet you know meanwhile ice is deporting you know fathers at schools and stuff but this this is the one thing that you know really can't you know there was that um what's his name walter schaub who used to be the um office of government ethics chair and then he left because of trump and he had a tweet last night that was like you know the people need to be in the streets if he fires Mueller. Yes. And it's like dude fuck off like no they don't they really don't like it's not it's not the end of the world it's it's no i think it's, i mean it would be bad like you know i, I think the liberals guess, are, but... are gonna start throwing molotovs like they're promised <laughs> well yeah libby that to virgil uh your point and, and libby to hear is like i've been reading a lot of people you know like the you know the who's that guy the like lawrence tribe figures who are like yeah. you know, really emotionally invested the hummus on guy. was that the hummus guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well, no no but like they I, what, I, what i what i keep hearing and again i think it's still 50 52 and like that's what's so sort of annoying about all this that's why i just want him to fire it because i'm sick of all the foreplay it's just um, been like there's no yeah. payoff to any of this but what i want to say is that what they've all been saying is like if trump fires Mueller, we need to turn out in the streets like never before. Like, like, we, need, we need the women's this is march. The last straw. We need the women's march times ten. And I just love the idea that, that that this is like real live mindset. The idea that you can turn millions out into the streets based on the rule of law. You yeah. know that thing that people really care about and are really emotionally invested when it's not you know prosecuting them for drunk driving or taking their kids away. You know, actually, as a as a writer, I, I kind of have a selfish interest in this happening just because it would be the best piece ever to just go and interview the kind of fucking person who like travels across the country to come to DC to turn out for the rule of law. I mean, that would be like Politicon times a hundred. Like that would be. We'll, we'll, we'll see you there. Yeah, we will. We the- will be there. Um, I think it is interesting that they keep um, going really hard for this, like, uh, extremely, like, hall monitor kind of defense because they think that that's the coolest person. Um, and I think it's the, I think it's like a weird unifying um, principle 
between like the never Trump conservatives and the resistance that they're like, well, look, rules are being broken. We love rules. We all got into politics because we love rules. And I, I that it they've never figured out that that resonates incredibly poorly with just any normal person. And this is usually the example I give. I have this friend. We have this friend. We'll call him Mike Massine. So he used to be a garbage man. He used to be a garbage man. And he did large trash pickup. And what he would do is uh, like go and say, hey, if you pay me in cash, you can get 10% off. So they'd pay him in cash. He'd write a dumb receipt uh, and like go back and just pocket the money and say that they canceled. Now, normal people think that that is the coolest thing they've ever heard and immediately like Mike for that. But there's a certain (laughs) type of person who is like, that's against the rules. You're defrauding your employer. And they seem to be like relying really hard on the American populace's like interest in upholding the rules, which just most people don't care about that. Most people think the rules are stupid. My my favorite example for that is the Obamacare exchanges, which are totally inscrutable to any normal person, but beloved by the wonk class, beloved by a certain type of person who uh, plays spreadsheets recreationally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I get to compare the prices and click through. This is great. I'm entering so much data. I, um, I, uh, before I say this, I want to say this may be mean, but I'm legitimately concerned. I don't know if Lawrence Tribe is in some sort of elder abuse scandal. <laughs> his kids, his kids are like, you know, let's get the most engaging possible on the old man's account. Or something. <laughs> uh, I think that you know, Mueller gets fired. Silver lining. I'm a silver lining type of guy lately. Lawrence Tribe and Seth Abramson. They're finally going to get enough retweets when they say, you know, retweet if you think this is wrong. (laughs) They're finally going to hit the magic number and they'll never be seen again. They're like Andy Dufresne chipping away at the tunnel. (laughs) And it's like, you know, one day Trump just disappears and people are like, what happened? Uh, Seth and uh, I guess Lawrence Tribe's grandchildren tweeting for him while he's locked away somewhere. They got enough retweets and Donald Trump was like, all right, I see your point. Goodbye. <laughs> it's like one of those fake like teen DMs where it's like DMing with McDonald's like, hey, how many retweets do I have to get to get free nuggets for life? It's like <laughs> <laughs> No, uh similar like a, a, a in a similar vein to uh the, the, how people would react to uh Mueller being fired, I think we there's a sort of a preview of that in how people are currently reacting to the news uh just announced today that uh Paul Ryan will not be seeking re-election. And again, this gives us a object lesson in just tallying up all of the people who hate Donald Trump, supposedly, but are currently um, defrauding themselves and the public by claiming that Paul Ryan is some kind of good and decent man who just tried to fix Washington. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, the worst of those was uh, Jesse Ferguson, who's a the big Democrat. I'm tweet right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, got it, I got it before me. Let, me. let me read it to you. In brackets, this is likely an op- overly optimistic and naive take. Yeah, fucking no shit. Uh, maybe this means Ryan will be freed to defend our democracy, stand up to Trump, oh. protect Mueller, etc. now. Other retiring Republicans have found their spine. Maybe Ryan will. Or maybe we'll all be disappointed again. <laughs> well, think? I know which one I think it is. <laughs> Can you tell the audience who that is, by the way? Uh, I'm 
actually not sure. I'm pretty sure he worked on the, yeah, he worked on the Hillary Clinton campaign. He was the deputy national press secretary. He is also someone before the election uh, who made many comments on Twitter and elsewhere that he thought the election was going to hinge on Hillary Clinton's bringing over all the Republicans that were uh, disgusted by Donald Trump and appealing to them and being like, you know, this is so good. Democrats are going to come together with Republicans to win this election. And and then like consciously trying to appeal to that mythical non-existent voter. Oops. I thought maybe, maybe Jesse, maybe that was a little too naive and uh, pointlessly optimistic as well, which is an okay mentality to have if you're like a kid or just a reg- a lay person. Nothing wrong in being overly optimistic. If you're a political professional, it's a uh, malpractice. I can't be the only one who thinks that if all the moderate Republicans got together in all the countries we're going to invade, <laughs> we could get the world's greatest secular democracy. <sighs> Well, I mean, so I think so. Yesterday, I wrote about how um, Hillary Clinton had uh, taken a call with Mike Pompeo. Um, yeah, because he had asked her for advice on, you know, how to State Department, and um, you know, she took the call and she gave him advice. And you know, obviously, I think that's insane and ridiculous. I don't know why she didn't just call him a bellend and hang up. But one thing I said was that the people, people in Washington, is you know, people working in politics in Washington who have spent years doing that are more allied with each other than they are with anything else, any other constituency they claim to represent in the real world um, or the principles that supposedly brought them to DC. And it's the same thing with the Paul Ryan thing. Like these, uh, you know, people like Jesse Ferguson or Anna Navarro um, praising Paul Ryan as he leaves it is exactly about that it's about the fact that you know at the end of the day they're all guys in washington and they're all you know that they have that in common uh, and that seems to be more important to them than the million other good reasons to uh kick paul ryan and tell him to fuck off uh Pomp- pompeo i think the forgotten thing about this like the main focus as it should be is that pompeo is a clash of civilizations psychopath and that this, you know, shows that there is some convergence between the sort of center right of the Democratic Party and the hard right in foreign policy. But the wrinkle that I feel like everyone's forgetting is Pompeo was one of the Benghazi interrogation guys. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he was one of the guys who's like, uh, Hillary, you you put a green light on Ambassador Stevens. <laughs> and it is kind of amazing because you know regretfully the 2016 primary never ended we're just subjected to a horrifying deluge of uh eternal holy combat between the young turk contributors and uh share blue contributors forever for the soul of the democratic party i know who's going to win because the cia democrats always win and just endless resentment about what people did to each other in 2016 2017 but Mike Pompeo, who thinks that Hillary Clinton murdered Ambassador Stevens and Bile Rat, <laughs> that's fine. Because, as Libby said, they're closer to each other than they are to yeah. any of us, even those who agree with Hillary Clinton or Mike Pompeo. What I find so annoying about the uh, Paul Ryan uh, coverage is not, you know, again, the idea that he's a good man is sickening, but whatever. It's It's more so the idea that, like, you know, he just tried, but like, you know, Washington was too much for him or like that he's leaving because he just 
you know, he gave it his best shot, but unfortunately our part of our politics are just too partisan for him to fix the budget. This guy accomplished everything he set out to do in politics when he passed that fucking tax bill. Oh yeah. He he can he can sleep well for the rest of his life knowing that he's turned this entire country into what the state of Kansas what Brownback did to the state of Kansas. This is a guy who got into politics to do two things. Redistribute wealth upwards through the uh, tax code and uh, gutting what is left of our threadbare social uh, uh, welfare state. And he's done pretty much both of those things. So he's he's laughing, right? He's going to go get some... He, he can wash his hands of the mess that's going to follow and get some very well compensated job either on Wall Street or at the Heritage Foundation and give fucking speeches and write op-eds for the New York Times for the rest of his life about, oh how the budget was really his issue and he really cared about the deficit which it was a completely invented position a role that he made up for himself as soon as obama became president and they needed to like you know organize opposition to him so uh not a good human being but also a complete fraud as well um just while we're talking about speakers of the house getting new jobs did you see that john boehner has been hired by a weed company (laughs) well you know john boehner has always been a fan of smoking so this yep. makes good sense. To can me. I can I just say uh, something that's irritated me in the past few years? Um, yeah, go for it. And it's irritated me largely along the same lines as meme Biden. Right. It's meme John Boehner. Oh, that's a thing. Yes. It's you know I mean Libby probably. I mean of course that's a thing. I don't know why I'm asking. Because it's like because he's an <laughs> exasperated old drunk, and people are like you know people in news media, the funniest people in the world. You know, love to quote tweet John Boehner things where he's like, I don't know what the hell is going on <laughs> and be like literally me. And he's become this symbol of sort of like exasperated, respectable, old Republican who's like, these guys are crazy. But it's like it's a small thing. But the sort of memification and making him this avuncular figure as opposed to what he was which was the speaker of iraq during the worst excesses of the bush administration fucking irritates me so much and now this legal weed thing it's like wow that's interesting how you're not in power anymore and you can personally profit off of uh legal marijuana now that the window shifted on that (laughs) yeah that's really wow dude this is cool you're so fucking cool you drunk old suburban (laughs) cocksucker you fucking fascist cunt who who supported the iraq like if we're gonna get mad at democrats who supported the Iraq war we same thing for fucking Boehner I don't care how funny it is because you've never seen like a leathery drunk suburban guy before <laughs> fuck him yeah there was like a weird amount of sympathy for him I feel like among yeah. the DC press just because he was like you know two points to the left of the insane house freedom caucus and like had to quote unquote deal with them and it's like I, you know obviously I have no fucking sympathy for that job at all like I mean, you know maybe a difficult job in terms of politics but it's still easier than working at Starbucks or any real job so yeah I mean don't give a shit uh, I wonder what changed his mind about legal weed, though. Uh, getting hired for that board. <laughs> really? Yeah, he's he's, it's just, he's just a lobbyist. That's yeah, it. I'm just I'm kidding. It's oh, obviously just, okay. it's, they just showed him a spreadsheet of how much how many billions of dollars legal weed is going to make anyone who gets in now. Well, that's how you get yeah. around. Um, yeah, I bet he escapes to the three car garage every like you know family <laughs> dinner. He's got a big water bomb. <laughs> he's got a gravity he's bomb. He's cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, every time a guy like that smokes weed. I feel like it was a very Bush era thing where we were all like, 
oh man, if George Bush smoked weed, this war would be over. <laughs> man, you just smoked that weed and you're like, peace, man. And that was what John Stewart show was. It's the funniest that comedy like in the world. It's like when but, I was seven years old and I used to think that like if world leaders could get together and play Perfect Dark, then everything would be okay. I'm sorry, play <laughs> it's what? like the John Stewart version of that. Play, play what? Perfect Dark. Uh, per- perfect oh, dark. Perfect Dark. I think I said Perfect Duck. <laughs> That's the one, yeah. Uh, but, you know, in reality, a guy like John Boehner or George Bush or any of those, Hillary Clinton, whoever smokes weed, they just get paranoid about if they're taking too many antihistamines and then order a Marvin Gaye box set from TV. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing cool happens. No change. They're going to be like that forever until they fucking die. Felix, would you say John Boehner falls into the class of, I think as you termed, wedding crashers Republicans? No, because those people all like, they all hang out socially and we're going to get into the, what Libby talked about with the Tommy gun epic win fucking bacon society or whatever those people have a more social life whereas boehner i think like just gets drunk at a vfw Mm -hmm. and uh (laughs) he goes you know n-word means one type of black person (laughs) but uh he's different he's not an epic win guy he's just no he's pretty sad i think he probably brings his own wine to starbucks when he when he goes (laughs) yeah he's a lonely drunk so you can at least admire that about him um, uh, but, but if we can go back to Paul Ryan for one second, yeah. one thing that we, we shouldn't ignore is that he is retiring because in the face of a spirited challenge that he could not overcome by Paul Nealon. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, Republican nominee Paul Nealon, who uh, the only person banned from Gab, as near as I can tell. He's going to have to go to some sort of new sub-Gab that's even more free speech. Yeah. Well, Virgil, though, how will this affect uh, his seat, though? Does Iron Stash ha- have a chance now? It's easier uh, for a Democrat to win the seat, but Iron Stash may get some more primary challengers as the filing deadline is about two months away. One thing to note is Iron Stash actually outraised Paul Ryan in the uh, first quarter of this year. Okay. Uh, and he has a sizable war chest, which so this is probably the best of both worlds for him because it's harder to run against an incumbent in this district, but it's easier to raise money off him. So now any Republican who, who's vying to replace Paul Ryan has to not only jump into a competitive primary, but also raise a shitload of money to, to you know go up against Iron Sash, assuming Iron Sash, of course, wins the primary, which is not okay. a foregone I, conclusion. I just had a big brain attack. Um, Paul Nealon gets back on Twitter with an alt, follows Dinesh D'Souza, and sees enough tweets that are like, Hitler was at the 1932 Democrat National Convention, (laughs) hashtag the big lie, the real Nazis. And he's like, wait a minute. And then he he switches over to the Democratic primary. Beats Iron Stash in the primary, wins the seat for the Democratic Party, but as a Nazi. Yeah, and people are like, big tent. I saw a funny tweet the other day. It was Nazis talking about Paul Nealon. Because, you know, uh, there's this big controversy now between the type of Nazi that's Paul Nealon and the type of Nazi that's Ricky Vaughn, and they're at loggerheads. And this person, it was just a list that said, Paul Nealon, a Mexican wife, a race trader, alcoholic, uh, loves pit bulls, was one of them. <laughs> and then another Nazi replies to it with, um, hang on, those are all bad except for the pit bull thing. They're really good doggos. <laughs> They have a bad rap. They don't bite anyone. People are in our Nazi communities. I tell you what, when I hit 50, that's going to be my only political position. I'm going to just become like one of my aunts and I'm just going to post constant pit bull memes. I love those people. They are unstoppable. It's like, that's one of the only.
only parts of the internet you could go to and you wouldn't know Donald Trump is president. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have one issue and they're sticking to it. I appreciate the dedication, frankly. I honestly think they've been more successful than anyone because now the normal position is like those dogs are actually angels. They're just bad owners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they won. That's that's yeah. that's amazing. That's 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 the power of grassroots uh, organization right there. Do you think there's barefoot as legal Nazis, too? Absolutely. Oh, of course, yeah. Absolutely. The wife with a purpose people strike me as being very pro-barefoot. Oh, yeah. And I'd like to see uh, photographic evidence (laughs) of uh, their commitment to this cause. Um, Moving on, though, the other cool thing that happened in D.C. this week, or it's still going on, is the Mark Zuckerberg testimony in front of Congress, which has been very funny and weird to watch because a you have to look at zuckerberg's face which is very funny and weird and also as amber pointed out he has a little booster seat yeah yeah they couldn't find a um or maybe they tried with like a like a phone book first and it was too hard on his little tushy (laughs) he has a little booster seat there but essentially he has to go in front of uh, congress now because of the scandal over cambridge analytica and just facebook's entirely you know, corrupt business practices. And he has to go in front of them and flatly deny that, that your data and your posts that you put on Facebook are what they sell to advertisers and that it's yours. Libby, did you watch any of this? Yeah, I watched a few hours yesterday. I didn't watch any of today's. Uh, it was, it was pretty frustrating, honestly, just because like, especially for the first maybe hour or two, the average age of the senators that oh were asking God. him questions was like 150. It was Oh, oh it's amazing. They do it's not like, understand the internet. And I don't understand the internet, but I'm also like, you know, not in charge of it. Mr. Zuckerberg, why won't my kids poke me back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was depressing. And the thing is, is like you could tell that their staff had tried really hard to prep them, but at the same time, I think senators can be a little bit arrogant and be like, "Oh, fuck off!" I, you know, I'm a lawyer. I don't need you to prep me on this. Yeah. I understand. It's you know, it's the the people put their faces online, and we're all very upset about it. Um, and you could tell that they like had been told about the concepts behind the questions they were asking, but once they got more than ten words into the question, it just devolved into a list of nouns. So it was there's, just a, like, there's a book of faces, if I am right, to understand correctly. Right. Libby, even the prep sounded terrible. Did you catch what Grassley said? That's about when I put it on mute. He just starts off by basically reading the Wikipedia page for Facebook. <laughs> Like what is yeah. what, what what is this meant to convey? Who needs that information? This is even, this is just bad grandstanding. Right, and that's the kind of impression I got, you know, of, of the whole thing. It's just like it, it really was theater, and it's like sometimes there's a use for that, but in this case, it was very depressing because I just I know that they're not going to address any of this shit. You know, that even Republicans like Lindsey Graham was asking actually pretty good questions about whether Facebook is a monopoly and whether it had any competitors and stuff. But it's like Lindsey Graham doesn't give a shit about ensuring that monopolies can't exist. He's never done anything to you know empower the FTC. Or- ah, yes, Lindsey Graham, that famous trust buster. Right, exactly. It's just it's bullshit, and you know they all got to go up there and, and wag their fingers at Zuckerberg. You know, I'm happy for Zuckerberg to have a finger wagged at him and be spanked on television but it just it was just really depressing because i just know it, it leads to nothing and especially in the context of the broadband privacy debate that happened last year while i was still working at gizmodo which i covered a bit there and i mean that was just you know the, the most basic simple like little step towards giving people some control over their privacy which just all it would have done would have been make your isp ask you for your consent before they sell your web browsing data. 
And even, uh, you know, even that, like, it would have been really easy for them to get around. But that, you know, it was that was repealed very quickly and without much, much fuss at all. And it's just like, if we can't even have that, then the idea that we're going to do anything to stop Facebook, which, you know, their entire business model is stealing data. So it was just, uh, it was really depressing. And Libby, what's interesting about that is the fascinating thing about Facebook is unlike Amazon or Google or any of these other gigantic internet companies, Facebook actually does make money. It makes shitloads of money. And like Amazon only is worth that much money on paper, but it's unclear how they actually make money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I saw David Dayan, who is absolutely the person to read always on Amazon, said that, you know, Amazon as a, you know, Amazon.com is not profitable, but Amazon Web Services, you know, their cloud hosting services is projected to be like billions and billions by next year. And it's getting bigger and it's getting government contracts all the time. So in a way, it's, you know, this web services thing is kind of subsidizing the, you know, because I mean, how could they possibly always make money on, you know, selling you shit cheaper than everyone else and shipping it to you in two days? It's like, you know, it's like Uber, you know, these companies that (laughs) shouldn't, um, you know, shouldn't be profitable, aren't always profitable. But because of their position, they're able to, you know, pour money into it from other sources. Oh, it just makes me too mad. Well, I mean, like, of course, this could be an opportunity, like, whether it's Facebook or Amazon or any of these things that are, you know, basically function as monopolies and are things that everyone has and, you know basically have to have, or you don't have to have it. I think we should probably get rid of it. But like they, they cover such a broad amount of things and they are riding off of so much public infrastructure. Maybe we should be talking about nationalizing them or something. I mean, this idea that Zuckerberg is, you know, really getting spanked out there. Yeah, he looks uncomfortable, but like what is going to be the outcome yeah, he, of any of this? It's just kind of his face. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like is Facebook going to be subject to any kind of new regulation or or cut down or in any way or broken well, up? Well, he kind of made overtures about it, which was interesting. He's like, maybe, you know, a total, uh, totally unregulated internet isn't the best idea. But like, I'm not sure. Maybe he was just shooting from his like slim little hip there. Or wanting to get an angle in on what kind of regulations. I think yeah, he, I think he, he thinks he's going yeah. to be appointed. Yeah, well, I yeah. think he wants telecom style regulations where the regulations are all right. You get this monopoly, and you get this yeah. monopoly, yeah. and yeah. you get to set prices and policy here. Well, that's well, why we need Lindsey Graham to bust it all. Yeah. <laughs> As well, when the people you know uh, in, on the committee that's going to regulate your industry have absolutely no idea how it works. It's pretty prudent for you to inject yourself there, knowing everything on how it oh works. My, oh, my God. Zuckerberg is going to get full regulatory control because he helps these stupid old men win at Farmville. <laughs> <laughs> well, Senator, I will fix your printer. Libby. <laughs> uh, I, ca- I carried this printer seven blocks for Senator Lindsey Graham, and I didn't even get a hug or a regulatory nod. <laughs> uh, Libby, you said you, uh, you didn't watch. You watched yesterday, but not today. Uh, one of the issues that was brought up today by... Uh, Representative Billy Long of Missouri. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy. Google image search him. He is one Looking of the most good. He's one of the most hog like human beings <laughs> I have ever seen. He used his oh time. Oh my God. <laughs> he's like a pinhead, too. It's very it unsettling. Like oh my God. More like Billy Wide. Oh no. Oh no. You're not supposed to look like this. Somebody <laughs> screwed up. Uh, Libby, he used his time to grill Zuckerberg on the censorship of Trump-loving grandma's diamond and silk on his platform. 
You know who else did that yesterday is Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz also asked about Diamond and Silk yesterday. He asked about Diamond and Silk. Hang on, let me just pull this up because it was pretty great. Um, he asked. He started off by quoting the, the Gizmodo piece last year on uh, the suppression of conservative stories from trending news, which fucking obviously because all the conservative sites are insane. Like, of course, they were suppressing Newsmax and Breitbart. That's because those, those stories are not true. Anyway. Wait, you're uh, telling so- me that they were suppressing Gateway Pundit in favor of sources like the Wall Street Journal? Oh, in New York Times? Yes, yes, exactly. It's absolutely devastating. Um, So this is what Ted Cruz said. He said, in addition to that, Facebook initially shut down the Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day page. (laughs) Oh, no. Dude, I Googled that. I could not find fucking anything about that. I don't know where that came from at all. Uh, I mean, that has to be years old. I mean... I, I really don't know what that was. Um, has blocked a post of a Fox News reporter, has blocked over two dozen Catholic pages, and most recently blocked Trump supporters' Diamond and Silk page with 1.2 million Facebook followers after determining their content and brand were, quote-unquote, unsafe to the community. <laughs> Billy Long asked Mark Zuckerberg, what is unsafe about two black women supporting President Donald J. Trump? <laughs> well, yeah. That's the thing. It, conservatives may stumble ass backwards into internet antitrust. I mean, they won't, but they conceivably could just because they're like, why are you being mean to the dying pundit? <laughs> they think, again, yeah, they think net neutrality is like there has to be a liberal and conservative page on Facebook. Yeah. But uh, we were talking about um, if they grilled them about what's really growing on, going Hell on yeah. on Facebook. Uh, they're like, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, in front of me is a picture of an extremely wet meal in a dark room <laughs> taken with a flash. Yet the caption says, chefing it up like a boss. Does that look like chefing it up to you? And then the same man posted a picture of himself in a Nautica pinstripe suit and somehow an uneven goatee and said, damn, I clean up good, LOL. He's not cleaning up good. How much more of these lies will you spread? You're under oath, Mr. Zuckerberg. Mr. Zuckerberg, uh, we found 30 billion instances of people arguing about copper wiring being stolen. <laughs> and every argument with ended with, well, at least I raised my damn kids. No, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg should have to testify in front of uh, Michael Hudson. Michael Hudson, Tom, and Bertovo. About, about, <laughs> he should have to testify in front of Michael Hudson about the content that his website is putting out there into the world. Now that's really the thing. We, we don't, we're not having a real discussion about privacy or monopoly because nobody cares about these things anymore. So everything is just a grand message board argument that has finally filtered up to the United States Senate where the only the left, the right viewpoint is going to be, uh, why, did, why did you get such and such banned from your service? Uh, my constituents demand that they be allowed to use that word. <laughs> that, that is Paul Nealon's like, center plank, a bill that means you can't get banned from anywhere. That's all. I'm not kidding. <laughs> that is no. That's all. That's all. Most of these people care about anymore. Like I don't. I don't like these posts. Ban these posts. These are the Russia posts. And don't. And or, or unban me. Unban Alex Jones. Right. It's like uh, you know. I do. I think Facebook should have banned Diamond and Silk. I don't fucking know. I don't really care. But like 
the people who say that are always people who would absolutely love to ban everyone who posts about Gaza, for example, um, or, you know, really any leftist issue. It's, it's not a legit, it's bad faith is what it is. I just also, I just saw this amazing headline I need to read on this topic from the Daily Beast. Zuckerberg gets more questions about diamond and silk than Facebook's role in the Myanmar genocide. <laughs> Oh my god! Well, to, yeah. to be—I mean, Libby. To be fair, Diamond and Silk are very pro-genocide in Myanmar. <laughs> yeah. and remember, of course, this all started as an extension of this ongoing relitigation of the 2016 campaign and the Russia shit. But I mean, again, that's—that's that's the whole lie here. Zuckerberg is up there, and the, the, the thing he's blatantly avoiding saying is that Facebook makes money by giving your data, your posts, your likes, your preferences, and selling it to advertisers and firms like Cambridge Analytica explicitly. And apparently uh, a former executive said it just up until months before the election, they were pitching everyone with any money in Washington that Facebook could help them win elections. So yeah, totally. yeah to like to, to play dumb now. And yeah, and to, to this idea that, you know, Facebook is about connecting people and, you know, like connecting the world with one another and that your data is your own is a complete farce and a lie. And I, I hope someone fucking nails him on that. doesn't seem like they've done so so far. One last thing, uh, when we're talking about DC, uh, we'd be remiss if we let you go without bringing up what I think is one of the blockbuster exposés done by anyone in the media so far for 2018. I'm talking, of course, about your reporting on the, on the, the sick, disgusting underbelly of what the Washington DC, uh, society. And in particular, the Winston Churchill Tommy Gun Society dinner. Yeah, absolutely. This is Pizzagate, uh, <laughs> but for Libby, real. Those words are like it's like H.P. Lovecraft. It's like the Necronomicon. Just saying them in that order, it induces madness. There's something about that phrase that is unholy. Welcome to the Winston Churchill Tommy Gun Society dinner. The only rules: rule number one, there are no rules. Number two. You can't talk about the Winston Churchill Tommy Gun Society <laughs> dinner. Number three, number two again. Number four, no smartphones. Talk to people like it, like uh, <laughs> in the damn world. And number five, the only thing worse than too much beer is not enough beer. Cheers and semper epic. Number six, no shoes in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Libby, what is this disgusting secret society, and how can they be stopped? Um, So the Churchill Tommy Gun Society Dinner is a series of dinners hosted by Jamie Weinstein, uh, who hosts a podcast for National Review, and Michelle Fields, who was uh, at Breitbart and got hit by Corey Lewandowski and became famous for that. Um, And they host this regular dinner at their condo, their million dollar plus condo, which is at the Ritz residences in the West end of DC, which is absolutely the worst neighborhood of DC by far. I don't know why they live there. Like if I was as rich as that, I would not live in West end. It is completely dead. It's like in between Georgetown and GW. So it's like, it's just this dead area. It's got a Trader Joe's and nothing else. Um, and they, they host these dinners, uh, where they invite a sort of guest of honor each week. Um, I don't know if they're actually weekly, but um, they invite a guest of honor um, and a bunch of journalists and they all have these off the record little chats. Um, Some of the guests have included Valerie Jarrett, um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, (laughs) Ryan Zinke, 
who else have we got here? Um, David Petraeus, John Podesta, uh, Mark Cuban, weirdly, um, Ben Carson, uh, just a sort of who's who of shitheads. Um, yeah, so the, those are the guests. And the journalists, I mean, so <laughs> my in reporting on this was looking at Michelle Fields and Jamie Weinstein's Instagram pages oh, where yeah. they post pictures of oh, this. Yeah. Um, and they, I guess they make everyone pose with this picture of fucking Winston Churchill holding a Tommy gun. It's, oh, it's, it's like actually makes my skin crawl to say it because he's so standing on a pile of uh, dead Indians. Yeah, absolutely. That's slightly out of frame, but it's implied. Um, and, uh, yeah. So just collected the Instagram posts of all these people that had attended. And, you know, it's, it's just, I don't need to name the journalists that are there and you can look at the piece if you want, but it's just like, you know, your standard, the guy who writes playbook, uh, Olivia Nuzzi, uh, Tim Mack from NPR, um, the <laughs> Jonathan Swan, the Axios guy. And of course, in one of them, Benny Johnson. Woo. Uh, so like, how do, how like how do they conceive of this dinner party? Is it just like a fun thing they do with friends, or do they consider it sort of like a a salon where they get to you know court and uh, talk to some of the great minds of our time, like uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz and David Petraeus? Yeah, no, they they definitely see it as like it's not journalism because it can't possibly be because it's all off the record and you know it's, there's, there's like seven journalists there, so none of them are reporting what people say at this. Um, but it's not just pals hanging out, you know, they, they do see this as like an opportunity to question leaders. Like for example, the, the caption for the Ryan Zinke one was, uh, kudos to secretary of the interior, Ryan Zinke for joining us for a Churchill Tommy Gunn society dinner tonight. Not all the questions were easy, but he was tremendously engaging. Great evening. Um, and, uh, you know, I do, I do think they see it as, as kind of, a you know, and not, it's not, it's not public service and it's not, journalism but it is in in their mind sort of part of that world um it, it brought to mind to me like the, the, this is the the sort of fantasy of what dc should be like this is the whole reagan tip o'neill thing the idea totally. that you know when we hung out together and drank together and had a few laughs that was like yeah. it was for the benefit of the nation as a whole to sort of heal this divided country yeah and there was a brilliant uh washingtonian follow-up piece about how uh, Michelle Fields is actually shopping a TV show based on these, um, and they've uh, they've recorded a couple trial ones already uh, with Chris Murphy, the senator from Connecticut, and Mark Sanford. Um, so I don't know who's going to fucking watch that show. I mean, that is truly horrible. It's like the worst of CNN uh, combined with just like some rich person's apartment. No, um, I mean, like, let's be honest. We, we would all watch that show. Ina Garden by all of these Acela dweebs. I would love that. <laughs> I bet they. Yeah. I bet they eat some real wet meals there. Oh, there's some damp ass meals in that house. <laughs> um, I bet there are funny meals, like um, you know, like when the funding bill was happening. <laughs> the funding bill was happening. They made a nacho wall. I bet. Uh, <laughs> um, I saw um, your face oh, before you oh, delivered oh, that. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh God, dog! Felix, uh, really? Uh, you hurt yourself? I'm I, I really want the not enjoying thinking about this. I'm really what not Felix happy. Does for you? <laughs> I'm really not happy thinking about this. I'm going into a very dark place. <laughs> um, but like, ooh, 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 ooh. yeah. Like it, it also like brings to mind people. Oh, God. oh no, oh no! They got one of the. They got one of those, you know, chocolate oranges. Uh huh. And they made an ice cream dish. It, and it was during the Obamacare thing, and they called it orange repeal. 
I just view these people as the kind of people who watch Veep and are like, it's so funny. I love it. Washington's exactly like that. I, you know, I'm a Jonah. Jonah's so funny, but like, it, it almost makes me sad. Yeah, they, that, all, they all think they're Dan. Like, they all yeah, think they're yeah. like the, the yeah. savvy one. They don't think, but they don't realize that they're all Jonah or, you know, fucking Gary or whatever. I, I just had a revelation. Veep for these people is the same thing that The Sopranos and Goodfellas is for really stupid Facebook guys. That's yeah, <laughs> they watch, no, it's yeah. totally they, that. They watch Scarface and think it's like a you know a heroic tale. Right. Yeah. These all guys, of these people are fifteen years old. Is what we're right. getting at. They watch like Veep and they're like, "Damn, this shit cool as fuck." I'm man. I'm just like this is a show about cool guys. I'm just like them. Joan is a fucking pimp. Well, can I just uh, quote something uh, something that Jamie Weinstein said to the Washingtonian about it? He said, "It's not an elitist dinner; it's a nerd dinner. It's swank. It's nice. It brings back a little of the romantic era of salons in Washington, but it's different. We're having conversations, doing interviews, and it's fun too. I will say that <sighs> it's a nerd dinner, guys. What does his father? Uh, what is what does his father Harvey make of all of this?" <laughs> I don't know. You know, I do think his dad is rich, though, I have to say. I mean, I couldn't find out exactly how. Because, like, neither he or Michelle really seem to have jobs, but they live in... Not only what are you talking about? Jamie does condo. a podcast for the National Review that's listened to by, you know, tens of people. Tens of people, exactly. But they also order food from the Ritz when they um, when they do this. They, wait, like, so wait, wait, wait. They're not even oh, cooking? They cater. They're not no, even they're cooking? Not even cooking no. Dude, why don't they get catering from Le Diplomat? Exactly. <laughs> Le Dinner Party. Will will Ian Nucci be involved producing the uh, the television version of this though? That is oh my god, that would be my dream. That would be <laughs> so good. Oh god, I mean, yeah, I would, I would want, I, like, you know, if I were pitching the show, it'd be exactly what it is is now, but it's sort of like a game show in that, like, every night one of the meals is poisoned at random, <laughs> not to death, but just you know, violent diarrhea. No, it just gives them explosive diarrhea. Yeah, exactly. It'd be like a Japanese game show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, Libby, I got to ask you this. Did you see The Darkest Hour? Uh, no, I, I did not. It is it is more awful than you can possibly imagine. Like, yeah. I yeah, know. My, my mom saw it and she told me that she spent most of the time really angry. And then there were like parts of her, you know, obviously, you know, brought up under English propaganda, you know, when he would be speaking his speeches where she'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah. And then it would just go back to, oh, my God, this is just dreck. Like, this is actually shit. It's mostly just really, really boring. Uh, yeah. you know, got got to give love to the to the god Gary Oldman. Still love Gary no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I gotta say, like, it reaches this one point at the end, and I'm sure you maybe read about it, like when the movie first came out. There's a scene that's basically the climax of the movie, where uh, Winston Churchill is on his way to Parliament to give the famous, you know, never surrender speech that Ted Cruz loves so much, and he takes the tube for like the first time ever and like mixes among the common folk and takes like a, a subway ride with them and is like, so like, tell me, what do you think? And they're all like, N don't give up, fight Adolf, governor, <laughs> including a very strategically placed black man who like, he claps oh, on the God. back and is like, yeah, good on you. You have this, you know, that's good British metal. And then a little girl who literally tells him like, you know, fight Hitler. I don't care if I die in the blitz. <laughs> and it was more nauseating than you can possibly imagine. Yeah, that should be illegal. 
Anyway, that's that's a they'll be screening that movie at uh, Jamie and Michelle's house next week. Um, when sort of Reddit or Imgur guys or uh, like more upwardly mobile chivers die in potato cannon accidents, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when they go to heaven, their God is Winston Churchill. Like that's God in their heaven. And Bill Murray. Bill Murray, Ron Swanson, and... Winston Churchill. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it goes a little Makes something sense. like this. Uh, they're like, but Bill Murray, you're not dead yet. And he's like, actually, no, I'm Bill Murray. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> oh, man, I am going to some fucking dark places. This this is my Heath Ledger Joker performance. You're probably going to fucking... I'm going to OD after this episode. I have to go to some very, very deep, dark places. Now, uh... Before we go, Libby, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Uh, before Felix goes to way too dark of a place to ever come back from and becomes permanently twisted by these dark jokes that he's telling, I want to go out with just a, a little clip that I found from uh, Infowars.com. It's a, it's a good website. Cool. I, I check it out from time to time. It has sort of an alternative take on the news that I find refreshing. <laughs> um, the headline is, Body Language Expert, colon, Alex Jones and son, good example of good relationship. That is a daddy's boy right there. Holy shit. Oh, you know the, the old term, daddy's boy? Sub, yeah. sub, subhead. Thing that people say all the time. Subhead. A body, a, body language, a body language expert who analyzed the video shot by Alex Jones and his son Rex last week concluded the pair exhibit an exemplary father-son relationship. This is the most that has ever been going on. <laughs> Using thermal image scanning, we can figure out that I'm one of the greatest fathers of the world. Look at my boy's little heartbeat. <laughs> Jones and his son last week squelched rumors spread by the mainstream media that Rex had been coached and pushed out into the limelight at the behest of his father. After a video created by Rex challenging anti-gun student David Hogg to a debate went viral. The expert, the expert here okay, is the, listed okay, as... First of all, I'm sorry. The daddy issues and his kid is called Rex? Mm -hmm. Like as an Oedipus? <laughs> oh my, my god. god there is a lot I thought, there is a lot I thought more, here I thought there's more, so much i thought more rex like he thinks of his kid like a dog like he's just <laughs> his pet but um it says here the body language expert is listed in the Infowars article as quote bombards body language that's the i guess Fernand. Cool. uh we hired a psychic he read my <laughs> my son's mind and wouldn't you know it i'm the best dad uh, Bombard's body language comments that Rex is comfortable, confident, and at ease beside his father and assesses he doesn't appear to be forced or coerced. <laughs> this is a good relationship. If you're a father, this is a good relationship. Your daughter should react this way to you. Your son should react this way to you. Rex joins Alex at one point as he begins to sing John Williams' Imperial March from the Star Wars films, indicating to the body language expert they have a great relationship. Okay, by the way, no lyrics to that song. Well, they just get together like, bum, 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 bum. Don't you do that with your dad? I, no. Me and my dad do John Williams scores back and forth to each other all the time. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's why my people My dad's more dad. of a <laughs> yeah. Skinner and Seeger type. <laughs> Just last last quote here from the body language expert. Me, me, uh, you know, if my dad were alive, we would do a Cummo Gummo parody together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm on that booty killer shit. Uh, last quote here. That is a daddy's boy right there. He's really happy. It warms my heart. It brings a tear to my eye. Seriously, 
it's just really nice to see. These days, so many people are into this whole ridiculousness of what they think parenting is that when you see something like this, it's like, finally, how to be normal. <laughs> just, just normal family. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. So, uh, again, Alex Jones hired his own body language expert to <laughs> tell him and the world that his son is a great little boy and he's a wonderful dad. I'm like super normal as well. Normal. One thing a- I learned from my dad is how to be normal. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best type of snake oil salesman, the guy who kind of believes it, like using yeah. his own body language expert. Yeah. We got yeah, we got a friendship sniffing dog. <laughs> okay. Okay, man. Uh, I love the idea of a friendship sniffing dog. I think yeah. all dogs are friendship sniffing dogs. Uh, we don't deserve them. <laughs> uh, oh, what if we had an account that rated dogs? But the joke was they're all good. Oh, yeah. you, I bet you can make a lot of money that? with what that. What if you did that with people? You just did that with people. Just, uh, it's basically humans of New York, is what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, humans of New York, but you had a cutesy little little uh, rating at the end of it. Thirteen out of ten, epic. But it's. Yep. Po- but then you get in trouble because it was Paul Nealon and you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. He's, Everyone he's, makes look, mistakes. Look at, this, look at this hacking pupper. He's yeah. got a list and he's checking it twice. <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny if the dog rating account, you know, that's always like 13, 10, yeah, excellent doggo, uh, just gave every pit bull a zero rating. <laughs> Awful, put this to sleep immediately. Danger to its community. You fucking murderous bastard. <laughs> okay, all right. Libby Watson, again, always a pleasure. Thank you for being our Washington, D.C. correspondent. Uh, Libby is at Splinter. Uh, check out her writing there. One quick note for our listeners, friend of the show and uh, outside designer John White has printed up a limited run of the posters for his design for our West Coast tour. He's selling those. The link will be in the bio. Until uh, next time, guys. Bye. 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 I'm a human. I'm a pioneer. I'm an explorer. And I'm coming. They got stuff that'll whack your brain permanently. There it is, the gay ball. Gay ball. And the freaking frog's gay. What do you think tap water is? It's a game bomb, baby. What is going on in North Korea? Creepy, weird, sick stuff, man. I'm in control now. Well done.